Welcome back to The Green on Delaware Public Media. I'm your host, Tom Byrne. Since 2022, the United States has faced an ongoing shortage of Adderall and other prescription stimulant medications used to treat conditions like ADHD and narcolepsy. The issue is specifically challenging for colleges and universities where many students rely on prescription stimulants to help them focus and manage their workload. Delaware Public Media's Quinn Kirkpatrick recently caught up with Gregory Cooper, Associate Director of Psychiatric and Addiction Services at the University of Delaware's Center for Counseling and Student Development, to learn more about the prescription stimulant shortage on college campuses and how UD is working with students to address it. In your experience working at the center, how prevalent is ADHD at UD and on college campuses in general? These are always interesting questions because what people think is the prevalence of what the actual prevalence is are two different things. Um, UD and other campuses are no different, I think, than you, you know, the prevalence in the United States. So, you know, it's a small percentage, uh, you know, a single digit percentage. I don't think University of Delaware is any different than any place else in the incidence of ADHD, the actual diagnostic incidence of ADHD, not the perception that I can't concentrate for a whole host of other reasons. And with that, what unique challenges do students with ADHD face in college? I think college is also typical of the overall challenges that students face in life who have ADHD. College is unique in that there is a great deal more autonomy. The pace of the work and the intensity of the work goes up in linear fashion, and there's opportunity to branch out socially, and students can do things that they wouldn't necessarily do when they're living at home. So all of those things conspire together to maybe work with or highlight or to exacerbate the underlying symptoms of ADHD, the inattentive symptoms, the hyperactive and the impulsive symptoms of ADHD. And so the context of college, I think, and the environment can uniquely kind of fan the flame of those core symptom clusters. And if students had not developed or have not developed good coping skills and study skills and behavior patterns to manage impulsivity, then the freedom, the intensity, and all the opportunity that college affords can have negative impacts. So stimulants like Adderall and Vyvanse are often prescribed to treat ADHD. Are you able to speak on why that is? I guess the simple answer would be they're prescribed because they work. <laughs> um, you know, certainly there's people that say that that's not the case, but everything in psychiatry is a hypothesis because, you know, we observe these behaviors. Uh, we use self-report, we use behavior rating scales, we use quantitative tests to try to measure the core symptoms that we see that kind of makes up the constellation of the symptoms that are ADHD. And so, you know, to say the stimulant does this and we can prove that, we can't do that in all of psychiatry. Like if I give a blood pressure medicine, I can measure the blood pressure trending down or not trending down. I can get a quantitative measure, right? I can see how well that medicine is working. It's a little different. It's a little broader in mental health in general. But, you know, the prevailing hypothesis about ADHD is that it's a dopaminergic problem in the prefrontal cortex. And so stimulants are robust dopamine and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, meaning 
They cause more of those neurotransmitters to be available in the entire brain, but most specifically in the prefrontal cortex, which translates into greater selective and sustained attention, which are the two components of the inattentive cluster, lower hyperactivity and less impulsivity. And so, you know, that has been seen, you know, since the 60s probably. And so that's why stimulants are used. There are other medications non-stimulant medications that are used for ADHD that also work, but that's why stimulants are used. For over a year now, there's been a shortage of prescription stimulants. Have you heard any student concerns about being able to access their medication because of the shortage? So the shortage of stimulants, I think we always ebb and flow with certain medications in psychiatry. I think maybe more than other medicines, except for like some of the weight loss medicines that are out now and and things that are really hot medicines. But in psychiatry, we ebb and flow with medicines often, and stimulants are probably at the top of that list. So even before the pandemic, which caused some of the things I'm about to talk about, there are factors that affect the availability of stimulant medication. And so insurance formularies, what they allow the people that are covered under their program to be prescribed is a limiting factor. And Supply chain issues. When uh, medicines that are branded medications go to generic, there's always a gap when the generic companies are ramping up their production and the insurance companies are no longer covering the branded medication. So, you know, we're in this unique situation right now with Vyvanse, which went generic just a few months ago. Then, you know, you add on that the pandemic just exacerbated those factors there has been an increased demand for stimulants as people have struggled during the pandemic with motivation, with selective and sustained attention. I'm calling the symptoms, you know, on purpose, you know, highlighting the symptoms and not necessarily the diagnosis, you know, because a lot of people are talking about these kind of pop-up telehealth things that are kind of, there's there's much more demand. And there's, there has been a supply chain issue for a whole host of reasons, a fire in this plant, covid in another plant that are all overseas that cause huge breaks in the supply chain. And then in COVID, there was just all the other supply chain issues as well, like shipping the medication to where it needs to be and such. So all of those things conspire together. Well, and the other thing is there's a, a lot of pharmacies that are closing now, like around campus, Main Street Walgreens, Rite Aids, all around campus, you know, they're consolidating their, their operations. So all of these things uh, conspire together to make it more challenging to get stimulants. So concerns are always there because of the things that we've talked about. We have to move things around, but yeah, that's, this has become a normal part of our lives as prescribers where we are, we send it to a pharmacy. They don't have it. You know, the patient has to call around to find who has it. Sometimes the pharmacy will tell them other times they won't. So we have to send it and see, sometimes we send it to three or four pharmacies before we find out who has it in stock. So it does cause some delays because there's communication back and forth with the prescriber and we're seeing patients, right? And so that's challenging, but it's become like a normal part of doing business now, unfortunately. I will say it's gotten better since the the pandemic, but little things will pop up like when medicines go from brand to generic that were the normal things from the past, but now just more highlighted after the pandemic. And you mentioned pharmacies closing near campus, including the Walgreens on Main Street. And pharmacies closing across the state in general may also put a strain on the ones remaining. But is there anything else about being on a college campus that makes accessing prescription medication more difficult? Yeah, 
transportation, <laughs> you know, proximity. So, you know, Main Street is a hub for UD and everything else is pretty much on the periphery of that hub. So Main Street is very accessible to all students that are on campus. There are others that are close in walking distance, in quotes, really better in biking distance. And then, you know, there's some better in driving distance. But, you know, when you lose one or two, that's a significant decrease in accessibility. So it really is transportation driven. The student has to go to an off-campus pharmacy. They either have to find somebody, a friend to take them, catch an Uber, cost money, or take a bus, which then costs time. So all of those things are important commodities. So if a student can't access their medication, particularly prescription stimulant, for any of the reasons you highlighted, what are some of the effects that they may experience because of that? And what are some of the ways they can kind of deal with those effects? So one thing I would say is that at the Center for Counseling and Student Development, we try not to let access from finances or from transportation be a barrier. And so we have funds that we are able to use to help students to get a ride, to pay for co-pays, not just for stimulants, but for all the medications that we prescribe. So that's a service that's I think is really nice that we are able to do. It's called the Connor Mullen Fund that we utilize. And just qualify this, you know, ADHD exists on a continuum. And, you know, there are folks that have very severe symptoms and there are folks that have less severe symptoms. If you don't have access to your medication and you have been on this medication, let's say since you were a child or even recently, and it has had a robust effect and you are now able to sit down when you want to start the material, when you want to stay dialed into the material, when you want to, for as long as you want to, and then you can't do that, that causes significant disruption or can cause significant disruption to your learning, to your grades, which then cascades to future, you know, hopes and dreams and broader mental health concerns then because of anxiety, stress, depression, things like that. So that's a worst case scenario. Ideally, people who are on stimulant medication would also be in therapy, learning skills and techniques to manage behaviors. Okay. So hopefully we don't lose that part of it. And that's not always the case, but it's not the total fix in a situation, but it certainly is helpful. When students can't get their medications and they're high on the other symptom clusters like hyperactivity and impulsivity, you know, students are at more risk for accidents from the impulsive cluster and they're at more risk for disruption in social relationships. Hyperactive impulsive clusters, typically that's where they'll manifest in the college age, if people have them. As people get older, those two symptom clusters actually go down. But if they persist, they cause, you know, disruptions in social relationships, which then, you know, has significant impacts at this particular developmental stage. So those are some of the things that can happen if they're not able to get their meds. It's pretty rare when we can't get people medication to help them. Let's say even if we didn't have the ability to give a stimulant for whatever reason, this would be pretty rare that that would be the case. We might be able to give other things that could help, but if they weren't, it could be very problematic. 
So because of the shortage and other factors limiting access to ADHD medication, some patients have turned to other sources. So this includes things like buying counterfeit pills, borrowing medication from friends and family, or even turning to other drugs or substances that could have a similar effect. And you mentioned that UD is doing a lot to ensure that students can access their prescribed medication, but are you using any other harm reduction strategies to avoid any negative outcomes students may see if they do go down any of these other paths? The other thing that I didn't say is that, you know, students who have ADHD longitudinally from when they're small children up through adolescence, college age, are at a significantly greater risk for substance abuse disorders and substance use disorders. And so, you know, losing that medication could exacerbate that problem. So finances for us is not a, a barrier. It's much more access to a certain medication. And there are several, there, there's a high redundancy in stimulant medications. You know, there are a lot of other choices, older medicines that we can use if we need to. I, I cannot remember a time when we weren't able to find a suitable alternative in a situation. And I think the most significant issue on campus is taking somebody else's medicine. You know, just because it works for you doesn't mean it's going to have that effect on your friend. So, you know, there's a lot of education that goes into harm reduction strategies when we prescribe the medicine. And when we prescribe medications, things that we also do, we have Uh, worries, and regularly, randomly, we do drug tests. Thanks to Gregory Cooper, Associate Director of Psychiatric and Addiction Services at UD Center for Counseling and Student Development, and our Quinn Kirkpatrick for taking time to join us on The Green this week. And we wrap up The Green next with Arts Playlist and a look at comedian Dan Bell's new Dream Big Performing Arts Center in Del Mar. You're listening to The Green on Delaware Public Media 93.3. 